Hello and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny. We're here once again to give you our takes on all things TV. This week with Fallon Shaver, our favorite Last of Us expert. Uh, and we're talking about episode seven. Selfishly, I'm going to just give you guys my overall reactions first because I feel like you both will have different things to say than I will. Maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. This, I want to say, not my favorite episode. And here's why. Don't attack me. Okay. I really don't do well when I know something scary is going to happen and I'm just anticipating it the entire time. We've talked about this before, Jess, <laughs> for like different uh, shows. And I knew this episode at some point in it was going to be the episode where Ellie got bit. And as soon as a new character was introduced that was like lovable, I was like, oh, she's going to die too or get bitten or something. Uh, and so I just spent the entire hour fretting. And I did not enjoy that about myself <laughs> or this episode. Um, but otherwise, like, I loved all the backstory. Um, but I just wanted to get that out in the open because I feel like it would not be in a popular opinion for me to say that I this was not my favorite episode. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any reactions to that. Or <laughs> Well, I actually agree. It was Ooh, not okay. my favorite episode. Well, that's an easy agreement. I think it being not my favorite is, is hopefully not that unpopular. Maybe a little unpopular for me to say I like could have done without this episode. Um oh god. Not <laughs> Oh no. I don't mean that in like a really critical way like it was like it was a good episode and it brought something to the story that I'm glad was brought. I appreciated the storytelling. And I think, again, they're just doing a really good job of making us appreciate like what it's like to go through loss and pain in this world. But I was like a little bored. And I don't know if that was like because I knew you already. Bored? I was terrified. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it was because, okay, so to be honest, I already knew that it was going to be like a love story. Uh, and I did ruin that for myself. Somehow, I can't even remember at this point. I've just watched like too many TikToks and read too many things about the game. So I knew that going into it. So I was just like waiting for them to like tell each other that they liked each other. And then I was just kind of waiting for like the infected person to pop out. And once it finally happened, like the last 15 minutes of this episode like wrecked me. And I loved those 15 minutes. But the first 45 minutes, I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep last night watching it and I had to watch it again today. I'm so sorry, Fallon. <laughs> do you, do you? I'm just going to take a deep <laughs> breath. <laughs> um, listen, listen, listen. It's fine. Truly, it's fine. I um, One of the things that I'll say right off the bat, and I'll kind of explain how this was done in the game, but this is a perfect example of a situation like there's been some episodes where I feel like the TV show has been an enrichment of the storyline in the game. There's been, this is an example I think of the opposite situation where the game enriches this story more so than the TV show had the ability to do. So I think that's one of the reasons why I could see why if this is, you've only watched it and you haven't played it, it would have a very different um, vibe probably. But for me, 
this is my favorite episode. I knew that this would be my favorite episode uh, because the story is incredibly meaningful to me on a multitude of levels. Um, and I was just really excited to see how Storm Reed uh, and Bella Ramsey would would play it. And they totally blew away my expectations. Um, I think that the pureness of like a first love situation and the awkwardness of it and the discomfort and the like trying to figure out how the other person feels and the stumbling through all of that was just so beautifully done. Obviously very low on the action. And I'm sure a lot of people were probably like, let's just get back to what's happening with Joel. Um, But I love that they take this pause and they give us this time to see really like what Ellie's version of loss is in comparison to Joel. Like in my mind, Riley is, Ellie Sarah um, because she's never she did never knew her parents she never had any experience with loss and so to see that this is Ellie's background and where she's coming from when she first falls into meeting Joel I just think it's a really important story to tell um, and I thought they did a really good job that being said though I get it I really do understand why for some people this wouldn't be a standout um, it just has a lot of personal meaning to me I I totally see that. I I was thinking while I was watching it, like, first of all, I bet I wouldn't be – I feel like Jess and my issues are slightly different, but they amount to the same thing with this episode. But for me, like, if I had had that background of knowing approximately how this storyline would go and, like, when the actual event would happen, I think I could have enjoyed that whole – like you're saying, like, the awkward blossoming of what is – a flirty relationship to begin with, but into actually two people telling each other that they like each like being vulnerable in that way. And that also mirroring, like when, when we come back to her and Joel, it's clear that that whole experience that we just saw um, is sort of like, she's not, Ellie's not ready to lose another person. She It's happened before. This might not be the first time or the last time, but it was like an important person to her. And like that whole episode was really important for showing who Ellie is, like you just said, Fallon, but also for showing us how much she is willing to do to make sure that another person that she cares about doesn't die. All of that I appreciated while I was watching. Um, yeah, I just, I don't do well with the whole like mounting <laughs> dread. Of, I just like wish that I had, someone would have told me like, it's going to be at the end. Just watch the beginning without without yeah. worrying about it. I mean, um, I did maybe. have that a little bit, but my anxiety only came when they were like dancing with the mask on. the music on. was so loud. I was like, turn it down. You need to be watchful. Yeah. That, <laughs> fe- that be felt the like they alert. were like clearly building to the moment. And that's where I felt like extreme anxiety. So a little bit yeah. less of the episode than you, but I also, I understand the feeling. Yes, <laughs> I'm not yeah. immune to it. I was just going to say that. So it is interesting um, to provide you guys a little bit of context here. Cause I think, the way they tell it in the show is is linear. So we get this story as it's happening, meaning Joel gets injured and then they immediately go into the story of how Ellie, you know, sutures him up and is taking care of him. In the game, it's very interesting because what happens is Joel like falls off the horse, that whole thing happens. And then there is a time jump forward. And Ellie has already he's already stitched up. And they take you into what will be next week's episode. So they completely skip everything that you just saw in the main game. Then, I would say a year later, 
because uh, I think um, the, the DLC, which I guess I'll start with what DLC is. DLC stands for downloadable content. And what it is in a video game is a game might come out, they tell a certain story, and then they decide later on they want to add something else to that story. So it becomes, usually it's about half the price of a full game. You buy it and it downloads to the original game and then you can play it as something separate. So normally it's it's much shorter. I think Left Behind, I don't know the exact play time, but it's probably about four or five hours. Um, and it just adds on to the story. So basically what Neil Druckmann decided to do when he finished Last of Us Part 1 is he said, all right, it'd be really interesting for us to go back and tell the story of what happened during that period of time where Ellie was taking care of Joel. And then let's also explore Ellie's background with the loss of Riley. Let's tell that story. So what he did was he put out a DLC that takes you to the point where she's with Joel, she needs to stitch him up, and she needs to find stitches. This has Ellie searching the area for where she can find some sutures. And that takes her to a mall in the area that she's in with Joel. And when she goes into the mall, it reminds her of being in the mall with Riley. And so they take you back and forth from present day back to when she was in the mall with Riley. And you kind of go back and forth as you're playing the game in both realities. It's also um, you get to play as Ellie, which is a whole different experience from playing as Joel. Uh, so it was interesting to me to see this story told linearly instead of skipping this part and going back and telling it. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it's just interesting to me that you guys are getting the story as it's happening in real time. We didn't get any of this until after we'd already finished the first game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Although it's, <laughs> it strikes me that maybe the way that it happened in the game, I would have liked better, like the jumping back and forth, or even the fact that it, the jumping off point is her going into a mall, like to find stitches and that, like jogging this flashback. Because I did have a moment in this episode when they first start the flashback where I was like, oh, that felt a little jarring that suddenly we're in the past. Like it didn't feel like it totally made sense to jump us back. And I get the that the real like parallel is her pain over possibly losing Joel, reminding her of the pain that she felt losing Riley, but it felt a little forced. And I feel like the way that you just described it in the game, I would have liked better. Yeah. I was talking to, to Matt about it this morning. And cause I, at first I was just, I mean, I literally watched the episode this morning and I was snot crying. Like, I mean, really <laughs> sobbing. This one hit me harder than the bill episode, than the Sam episode. And I knew that that would be the case, but um, it just, it really got to me. And I was talking to him about it after about an hour had gone by and I had time to think about it. And I was like, I loved it, but it wasn't perfectly adapted. I, I do think it was weird to me that they cut to the mall when she was like opening the door. Like, why would that jog the memory? It, it didn't really make mm -hmm. any sense. Whereas, like I said, in the game, you're literally in a mall looking for stitches. And so of course, Ellie's going to be reminded of that experience because she's literally in a mall. So it was just, and I didn't think that that would be that difficult for them to do. So I don't know why they decided to change it, whether it was budgetary or time-wise, but I do think that that was not as well done as it could have been. If I ever watch this series over again, or even just this episode over again, I will appreciate it all the more just from having like you having the background of who these characters are, what they mean to you, and then seeing this episode, I can totally understand mm -hmm. this being like an emotional experience and really well done. I just, yeah, I, I, I think this is the a scenario of I need to I need to watch it again to get to where you are. But yeah, 
I don't know. I, I think sometimes that happens in TV. You just like, not every episode is going to be exactly what every single person needs every time. <laughs> and that's okay. I want to say though, from, from what I said earlier, that it's not that I was like waiting for them to go back to Joel. Like, it's not like my issue with this episode is that there wasn't enough of like Joel and Ellie in the present because I was totally fine with that in episode three, that it was like an entirely different standalone story. There was just something about the way that they jumped into the flashback that just like, I just, it felt so forced to me. I don't know. And then I guess that bugged me. And then I felt like more needed to happen in the episode. Like when it ended, I literally was like, wait, where's the rest? I don't understand. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, this is why, again, I say playing as it is different. So, um, in the, in the DLC, you are playing as Ellie. And again, the action parts of this portion of the video game come from her trying to find the stitches because you encounter some infected in that mall. You have to deal with, at the end, um, some raiders come in and you have to fight them to get out of there to get the stitches to Joel. So all the action comes from like the present day side. When you're in the past with Riley, everything that you guys saw in this episode, you're physically doing. And so it's actually... there's almost no action at all in those sections. So you're just walking around with Riley. You walk into the Halloween store. You can walk up to certain masks and put them on. Um, You can, when she picks up the joke book, you can walk around and like, there's a button you press for her to keep telling the jokes. Uh, When you go into the arcade, there's like a lot of actionable items you can do, but there's really no combat. So it's almost like walking around and playing as them. And it's just like you and Riley hanging out for two hours uh, and and just being able to physically play as Ellie, I think adds to the experience where when you're just watching it, it is for all intents and purposes, boring, right? Because all they're doing is they're just being kids in a mall. You know, how interesting is that really? But, uh, and I think Neil Druckmann, he wrote this episode and I was happy he wrote this episode, but I think he wrote it from a place from the same place as me, which is already having so much love for this story that I don't think he thought about how is this going to translate to an audience that didn't get to do these things in the game. I just think he didn't, he didn't do that translation as well as he probably could have. Yeah. And again, like I kind of don't blame him. Like I, (laughs) I think it's fine if there's, if there are episodes here and there that are for people who are game, like, game first you know I, I I respect that um can I just if you if there's something else we want to say along these lines totally cut me off but I just want to talk really quickly about the first scene we see in the flashback or I guess I don't know if it's the very first but essentially are all orphans being trained as soldiers is that what we're learning here if you have no parents Fedra snaps you up and is like let's train you to do stuff for us is that is that what the, the system is so no, not necessarily. It's uh, in Ellie's case, and they're kind of, I'm not loving the job they're doing explaining her relationship with Marlene. I know I already talked to you guys about that earlier. Like I, I'm having trouble with the way they're doing that. But essentially what you've been told already is that Marlene what, had a relationship with Ellie's mother and took Ellie to Fedra school and like enrolled her. So there are plenty of orphans probably running around in the world that just end up dead or, you know, not taken into a QZ. I think you kind of have to be one of the lucky ones to end up in an actual QZ school. All right. That clears some things up. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, wow, what a weird system. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. 
Yeah, but if you are a kid in the QZ, that's what they're training you to be as a soldier, for sure. Yeah, I liked that they included that in this episode. And I, I thought it was interesting to see the perspective of like two, how old are they supposed to be? Like 15, 16? So like two teens. Riley is about to turn 17. Ellie is 13. Oh, oh she's a lot younger. That's interesting. Or really 14. She's 14. I mean, because if this is this is all supposed to happen right before you guys see her when she's like chained up and getting tested because she had just been bitten. So she's 14. And then Riley's yeah. 16. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, to see like a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old dealing with like, is Fedra good or bad? Is, are the fireflies good or bad? Like they're still, I mean, children basically. So this is also like a coming of age story and a coming of age story in an apocalypse is just a very interesting thing. And to have those questions about like, I don't know, morality and ethics in this world that they've probably grown up and thought and been told like Fedra is a good thing. And now to be sort of facing what it might look like if that's not true, I think is I don't know. I sort of wish that they'd explored that even further, honestly, but they did have a a few conversations about it in this episode that I appreciated. Yeah, I kind of liked that Ellie was spouting back exactly what the commander guy or whoever it was that was reprimanding her for getting in a fight. He was like, without Fedra, this place would fall apart. And later she basically like parrots that back to Riley in like the way a kid would if they're like, well, this is what we've learned. Like clearly this must be at least partially true. It's just, it was interesting to see Yeah, that aspect of trying to figure out exactly what actually is right and that kind of um, fighting with what authorities have told you is right. And also that their realities in that world were going to be totally different and Ellie not necessarily realizing that. You know, Ellie had the opportunity to become an officer and for all intents and purposes have a relatively cushy life. That was not going to be the case for Riley. And I think when she explains that, it was nice that Ellie sort of had that moment of, oh, you know, I, I didn't realize that. I wish you'd told me. And then having that really human moment about, hey, your your version of what this could be is going to be a lot different than mine. And I felt like that option was not going to work for me and I had to go do something else. The way they explore, though, Riley c- coming to the Fireflies is different in the backstory, and I say backstory because it's not just the video game, actually. Neil Druckmann, a couple of years, I think, after the game came out, wrote some comics. There's four of them. They're called uh, Last of Us American Dreams. And it actually goes back further to tell you like how Ellie and Riley met, a few of their stories while they're at Fedra School, and then also how Riley and Ellie meet Marlene. So they, they included some of that in this episode, Um, mainly like the bullying that Ellie was dealing with and they showed you a little bit of Fedra school, but they didn't give you like the full background. And so it is interesting that they had some of those conversations because in the comics and in the DLC, you get a little bit more understanding of why Riley wanted to be a Firefly so bad. They touched on some of that, but not maybe as much as I would have liked. I I wanted us to have a better understanding. I didn't want it to just be Riley's joining the Fireflies because she feels like she doesn't have another option. Um, in the game, Riley like really feels very passionately about that cause. So it was an interesting shift. I feel like the episode would have benefited from a lot of that backstory. Like I'm now I'm jealous that <laughs> that it exists and I didn't get any of it in this episode <laughs> because I, I think the thing that was so great about episode three, for instance, was like, yeah, it was a standalone story, but it wasn't just like one day in the life. It was like, you know, many like vignettes of 
this relationship. And had they included like Riley and Ellie meeting or Riley, I don't know, standing up for Ellie if she's being bullied or like whatever those other moments were, I feel like that would have built the relationship more strongly. And then, yeah, even things like why does Riley want to join the Fireflies? Like that's interesting to me. We're still in a very like infant stage of kind of knowing anything about the Fireflies at this point in the show. Uh, you know, beyond what their general like mission is, like I think having that sort of context could have also been really interesting. Um, and I know you've mentioned Marlene a couple times and how you don't like necessarily the relationship that they've built in the show between Ellie and Marlene. I still feel like, and maybe this is what you're referencing, and maybe it's not. I still feel like I don't really know anything about Marlene or how Ellie like really like met up with Marlene. I don't know if that's something they're going to show later, but. I still feel like there's a lot there that they could have added and maybe it would have worked in this episode. I totally agree. I feel like this episode could have been as long as the third episode or just like the first couple of episodes that were almost an hour and a half long. The backstory for one. And then also, um, I don't know if this bugged either of you. I guess probably not if you had some of the, um, if you like knew what was going to happen. But the fact that it seemed like Riley had been missing forever and Ellie's reaction was not stronger to her both coming back and also like immediately they just like fall back into old friend patterns without Ellie grilling her about where she's been and what she's done. I was like, if you've been gone for enough time for someone to think you're dead, that was like a weird jump to me. And that, that was one of the, the key moments where I thought like, oh, I really wish this had been a longer episode, even if just to kind of like smooth over that transition to me so that I could then focus on their relationship and not just be like, what a weird, what a weird jolt of like someone coming back into your life after a long time and that not even seeming. And it's different. It's different than it being like, we don't have to talk every day. And it still feels like, like we can just pick up where we left off. It was very much like she, she left her best friend and there was really not so much discussion about that. Um, I thought that anyway. too. No, I totally agree. And I think maybe the introduction of the character, the first, the fact that this first moment was the introduction to the character where Ellie seems like upset that she was gone, but it, I don't know, something about the way that she reacts doesn't feel like it, it makes sense knowing how important Riley is to Ellie. And so that being the introduction to it, like, I don't think set the right tone for me. I just, I felt like I needed, yeah, I needed something more to feel like invested in the relationship. And then it does build over time in the episode but I, I agree. I had that moment too where I was like, that seemed odd. Yeah, we need the extended cut of this episode. Yeah, I mean, really, like those little backstory moments would have been great. This is so interesting. And this is part of why I'm so enjoying the experience of us like talking about these every week because I think it's just such a different experience, this show, whether or not you have the the backstory. And I... I think even more so than when a book is adapted or when something else is adapted. I just think there's something about a video game adaptation and especially one that has this much narrative built into the game itself. It is so interesting how those different groups of people can have two totally different experiences with the episodes uh, because I never know what to expect when I come into these conversations. And then you guys give me this context where I'm like, wow, that's so interesting to think about because when I go into these episodes, I have thousands of hours of like backstory and you know information about these characters that it enriches the moments between all of them whereas if you guys don't have that 
you're spending so much time trying to understand who these people are to each other and their motivations and their relationship that I feel like you can't just live in the moment of being with them. And it makes it a whole different viewing experience. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I could see how this episode would be. Well, I think you described in a previous episode, like you said, that episode was like a gift. Like the idea that watching this play out is like just a nice addition to the world that you already know is, yeah, very different from (laughs) the experience that we're having, just like trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, And I think they've done a very good job of that so far, but I had to criticize them this time. And it's not a harsh criticism, like I said, but I just think it didn't it didn't quite get me to the level that I like wanted to be at with these characters. But if I could segue us, um, Fallon, you mentioned bef- right before we started recording, you said that some people that you know who've also played the game like had some criticisms about this episode. Have we already covered those or can you add to that? Yeah, the biggest criticism I'm seeing so far actually has to do with what they cut from the present day part of this story. So again, in the DLC, you get the present day of Ellie trying to save Joel, plus the backstory of Ellie and Riley, and that's all happening at the at the same time. They're just kind of cutting back and forth. I, at first, I was frustrated with people that were complaining, mainly because, again, it just hit me emotionally on such a level that I was like, aren't we just happy with what we just got? But I get it now because Ellie does so much in the video game part of this to go out and risk her life to get what she needs to save Joel. The fact that they just put those sutures like in a cabinet in the house they were in and all she had to do was like run upstairs and get them and all was well. I do think it takes away from Ellie and how strong she is and also how much she's learned from Joel. So I mean, she literally has to go to this mall, climb on stuff and, you know, look everywhere and deal with infected and fight all of these people in order to get back to him and save his life. Now, I do think some of that might have been a little bit unrealistic to do in the TV show, uh, but I think they could have done something more than just make it that easy for her. I I wanted them and and I think other people wanted them to show what Ellie was willing to do to save him. And we did not get that in this episode at all. Yeah, I do think I would have liked that also. (laughs) Well, so having thought about it and talked to people about it, do you still feel like, do you agree with them fully or do you still feel like you want to defend the episode or are you just like somewhere in the middle, like you liked the episode, but you see how it could have been better? I, it's funny. I mean, two hours ago, I would have said, and I was, I was arguing with people like, you're crazy. This episode was amazing. Now sitting here, I'm like, I'm so biased towards it that if I'm looking at it objectively, it was not done as well as it could have been. And I do think that that's unfortunate because the show had an opportunity to do things that the game couldn't do. And I don't think that they capitalized on those opportunities. Um, And I think in the end, it will have an effect on people's view of Ellie that is frustrating. I, I guess at this point, I want people to see how strong Ellie has become since being with Joel. And now it's, we're not getting that. I mean, I'm hoping where things are going next episode, maybe we're going to get some of that, but I do think they had the opportunity to show some of that here and they didn't. And I I think that was a a missed opportunity. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it would have been fine with me if this episode hadn't had Joel in it like that, that was okay with me in episode three. 
but it does seem like based on what I know the game people got <laughs> that we didn't get what I feel like we deserved. <laughs> I think I think we deserved more. Yeah, and I I think that's fair. I mean, if I can highlight some of the things that I thought were exceptional. Yes. <laughs> the the uh, I was really excited when Storm Reed was cast as Riley. I um I don't know if you guys watch Euphoria, but I've seen her in that show and she even though she has a relatively small part, she's a really talented actress and and I just wanted like a powerhouse to come in and play this role because she was only going to be in one episode and she's a character that means so much to the game fan, so I was excited, but she really I mean, went so far above and beyond um, my expectations in terms of some of those really tender moments. Um, I mean, right after they get bitten, especially like the, the the way that she had like tears streaming down her face in this way, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It was like, it got such an emotional reaction for me in those last 15 minutes that you were describing, Jess, that were really good. I just was completely blown away by, um, by her ability to play that role. It was just great. And then I also thought that this was, in my opinion, Bella Ramsey's standout episode in terms of acting as well. There were a couple moments where I think I was sitting next to Matt watching it. And I was literally like clapping. I was like, this is crazy that she's doing such a good job of just playing the awkward child that she is. We finally got to see Ellie just as a kid and what it means to be a kid and have a first love and feel awkward and not want to change in front of that person and, and just have all of this, you know, discomfort, but also um, so many of these cute moments. I, uh, I cannot give enough credit to the two of them for their acting in this, in this episode. I want to plus yeah. on that before you move on. Yeah. I feel like Jenny was just about to, too. <laughs> Is that what yeah, you're going to say? Yeah. I just loved, I thought all of the, I don't know if this is the correct term, but like all of the character work, any of any of the scenes between the two of them, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, so cute. They're so cute. They're so cute. Like the the escalator scene, so cute. All of the like planning stuff, just like the emotional parts of this episode, I loved. Um, yeah. I think I'm particularly impressed knowing that Bella Ramsey is – what is she, 19? So maybe 18 when she filmed this. But being able to tap into that youthful energy, but not only that, but like like you said, fell in the awkwardness of being 13 yes. or 14 or whatever it is. I mean, I feel like that's really hard for somebody who's like matured past that age to tap into and to pull off so spectacularly. I mean, she is so believable. Like the self-conscious side eyes yeah. all the time. Like so believable as this, yeah, like awkward teen, this like person coming into their own, learning how to be an adult, sort of like feeling like you're older than you are, but still being this awkward child. She is so freaking good. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah, I I was just um, completely blown away. I mean, the the kiss scene was almost exactly the same way that it happens in the game. They use the same song and everything and all the same dialogue. But it was one of those moments where I knew exactly how that scene would play out. Um, and even though the game is incredibly cinematic, I mean, you, you can see a lot of emotion on the faces, even though it's animation. Bella brought something super special in the way that she reacted that made that scene almost brand new for me. I mean, you know, she kisses Riley. At first she's excited about it. Then you can tell she's horrified about what she's done. Oh God, what's Riley going to think? 
And then when Riley says, you know, for what, after she says, sorry, Bella has this massive smile that comes across her face. And it was just this choice of going, I mean, she went through like four different emotions with her facial expressions within like a 30 second time period. And it was so convincing to exactly how a person would look and feel if they were in that situation. I just, that 30 seconds alone was incredible. And then, you know, let alone everything else she did throughout the episode. So uh, this girl needs an Emmy, like big time. I mean, I was really impressed. Oh, for sure. If she's not nominated, honestly, if she doesn't win, although who knows, there could be other, I might take that back at the end of the year, but. I'll I'll get on a soapbox here for a second and just talk a little bit about um, why this is so important from a representation standpoint as well. So when this came out, it was 2013. So, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And we get a lot of really incredible queer content now, I think. But 10 years ago, there wasn't really very much of it. And if there was, it was always a coming out story or somebody having to deal with scrutiny because they were gay. Um, This was one of the first times, and especially one of the first times in video games, where it was just a really beautiful story of two people. And despite their sexuality, it was told in a way that any other love story would be told. And I thought that it was amazing at that time that Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog decided we're going to unapologetically tell this story, no matter how people are going to feel about it. I've mentioned this before. The gaming world is a really toxic place and it can especially be that way for women and definitely that way for anyone that identifies with the queer community. So it was in some ways a big risk for a triple A game to decide to do this. In fact, Ellie is one of, I think she actually is the first openly LGBTQ protagonist in a triple A video game ever. So it's just important to note that what they did then and the fact that they're continuing to do it now is really important for representation. And it's, um, it's one of the reasons I love Naughty Dog so much, but also why I love the last of us so much uh, because they just have always unapologetically told these stories and um, they continue to do so. And it's just a really important thing to note. Well, that is, I had completely forgotten how much older this game is because you're right. Like I, I'm glad that these characters are in this show, but it doesn't seem, yeah, it seems sort of normal at this point. That's a good context to bring back to it. It was, yeah, kind of crazy in 2013 to think. I mean, the world has changed a lot in 10 years in terms of this, like queer acceptance and yeah, portrayals in the media. And that's such a good point to bring up. I didn't think about, especially in the gaming community, like you said, which I'm not a part of, but I get <laughs> the vibes that it's not always the on the forefront of of accepting uh, people who are different. Inclusion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in gaming previous to this, it's not like there wasn't um, any queer representation in gaming, but what it would typically be is if it was like an open world game where you get to choose your own character and you get to make choices and some of those choices, you know, like I, I think it was some of the Bethesda Studios games like Skyrim and stuff and Fallout where you, if you played as like a male character, you had the option to like marry another male if you wanted to. But again, those were all choices. This was one of the first times where they said, we're not going to get, this isn't about a choice. You're going to play as this girl 
who identifies this way and you're going to go with her through this entire story and experience it and you don't get to choose you know how it ends we're gonna take you through this story and you have to play it the way that we wrote it and so that was really profound for a lot of people because it was the first time that they unapologetically said not only are we gonna have you play as a woman we're gonna have you play as a queer woman and you know uh you're gonna have to get on board and i just um i really respect the hell out of Naughty Dog for doing that time and time again. And it's, uh, I think it's made a huge impact on people, especially people who were young at the time and maybe trying to find their sexuality. There just was so little representation that even to give that one thing to that group of people, it was incredibly helpful and meaningful. And um, it's another reason why I just loved seeing it in this medium as well. I appreciate that. I do think there is something like something to be said for experiencing that in 2013 versus 2023, because I was like Jenny, I was like, this is a great story. I'm happy it exists. But like, I, I used to always have those moments of like, wow, I'm, I'm so amazed that they added this in. Like, I'm so happy. Like, yeah, teen me would have really like appreciated seeing this stuff in what, 2010 when that stuff like didn't really exist in the media. But nowadays it is a lot more normal, but yeah, that's a really, really good perspective that I'm glad you brought up. I mean, overall, I just, uh, I thought all of the scenes between them were cute and fun. I actually have one thing, though, that um, I was uh, sad about. And even as it was happening, I was like, you know, Matt has played this stuff, too. So he kind of at the same time as me was like, oh, man, they're not they're not doing the thing. But essentially in the game, when you go to the arcade, um, the game that Ellie really wanted to play was like one of the only ones that wasn't working. And no matter what Riley did, she couldn't get it to work. And so Ellie was super disappointed. And instead of them just walking away and whatever, Riley says to Ellie, you know, close your eyes. And she paints this picture in Ellie's head of what the characters would look like. And she's having Ellie press the buttons and pretend like she's playing. And it's this really adorable moment between the two of them where Riley's just working really hard to give Ellie the experience that she wants her to have, despite the fact that it's not working out perfectly. So the fact that they went in there and the game was working, I was like, oh, this kind of takes away from a really profound moment between them. It's not the end of the world, but it is one of the most prominent moments in the DLC that I think the game fans really remember. And all of us were kind of waiting for that moment to come. And so when they changed it, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. But um, it was still, you know, well done and a cute moment between them. That's such a weird choice. I feel like that would have been easy to add in. I wonder, yeah, I, I'll have to listen to some of the other podcasts or where they, they talk to like Neil Druckmann and um, Craig Mason and see if there's if there's a reason. I don't know if you've already looked into this, if they like mentioned anything about why they changed that scene. I haven't. I'm, I'm excited to listen to the yeah. companion podcast later to hear what they say, because I'm sure Neil's going to talk about some of the choices yeah. he made, but it'll be interesting. I, I did think it was kind of a loss because again, it's like... <sighs> This is a post-apocalyptic world where they don't always get what they want. And I think it's kind of interesting to show a world in which somebody that loves you would go above and beyond to try to give you this experience, even if it doesn't work out the way that it should. And Riley doing that, and she she comes up with this like incredibly detailed explanation of the characters. And it's um, it's just such a cute moment. And I was like, why wouldn't we just do that it's not it wasn't a timing issue so i don't know we'll see what he has to say about it yeah yeah i'm interested for the most part um 
that kind of ties it up. I'm, I am curious to see how, um, just the fact that they told this linearly instead of doing it later on, how that's going to impact some of the stuff that comes up. It's not really a spoiler, but like in the game, Ellie eventually tells Joel about what happened with Riley. Uh, and when you play the game, you haven't yet played the DLC. So when Ellie brings up Riley, you as the player have no idea who Riley even is really. So now when she has that moment with Joel later on, it'll be interesting for us as the audience to already have the Riley context. Like I'm, I'm just curious to see how they piece all that together uh, because this does kind of shift how they have to tell the rest of the story in, in slight ways. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll impact it overall. Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to a close. So thanks everyone for listening and check back next week for our thoughts on episode eight. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Fall and me, Jennifer Cullen. 